Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yay. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything A. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by G3. You've got grain to sell? We're buying. G3 Grain Elevators in Saskatchewan are open for business and want to buy your grain. Find a G3 Grain Elevator near you today at g3smarter.ca. And brought to you by Seedmaster. Save up to $22.50 per acre on canola with the Seedmaster Ultra Pro 2 Individual Row Metering System. Today we have an in-depth analysis of today's seeding report from StatsCan. The Wheat Growers' 50th Anniversary book is entitled Warriors for Wheat, and we have an in-depth interview with the editor. And the latest issue of Canola Watch looks at fertilizer levels. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by the Candiac Auction Mart. To consign your cattle, call them today at 424-2967. And Canadian Hail Agencies, providing you hail insurance for 25 years. Contact your broker today to see why Canadian hail adjusters are voted the best in the industry. StatsCan is reporting seeded acreage this spring up for durum lentils and barley, but down for spring wheat, canola and soybeans. Spring wheat is down almost 8% in Saskatchewan, while durum jumped 13%. Canola is down less than 1%, while lentils jumped 12% across Canada. Barley rose 1.4% to the highest seeded area since 2009, while oats gained 6.5%. FarmLink Marketing Solutions Senior Market Analyst Neil Townsend says the StatsCan survey was close to market expectations and neutral for grain prices. First point I'll make is that the Statistics Canada report came in pretty close to what the overall trade average guesses were. So that kind of says that things that the trade or company like FarmLink were picking up are the same things that FarmLink, uh, the same thing that the government picked up from the farmers. So, you know, they, they pushed down wheat acres a little bit and they pushed up Durham acres. So, you know, farmers in Saskatchewan, for example, they saw very good marketing conditions for Durham, not just for 2019 production, but projected for 2020 production as well. And they responded and they increased those acres quite a bit. So we're looking at 5.7 million acres of Durham versus 4.9 million acres for the final numbers for 2019. That's a significant increase. And as you go through the crops, you see a little bit of consistency there where the crops that were gaining had good market conditions towards the planting time and, and even beyond planting time. So another one that picked up some acres and again would have picked up quite a bit of acres in Saskatchewan would be lentils. And farmers saw really strong prices for red lentils, not just for 2019 production and supplies, but also projected for 2020. And, you know, again, farmers reacted. So they put in 
according to Statistics Canada, 4.2 million acres, and that's up from 3.8 million acres last year. One that maybe caught FarmLink a little bit by surprise was that peas came in, you know, right around where they were last year, 4.3 million and 4.3 million this year. We thought that peas might lose a little bit of ground to lentils, but obviously, you know, pea prices were strong enough. And also maybe some of the attraction of having like that early access to marketing for peas, you know, you can market them right off the combine and and get that gone. That probably attracted farmers to plant a bit in there. Canola came in right where we expected it to, about 20.8 million acres. And again, canola didn't lose much ground from last year, but didn't gain any ground from last year. And I would say that like farmers love growing canola and canola yields have been pretty good over the last few years and surprised nicely to the high side, probably, um, you know, more years than not. But I think that the marketing conditions and the whole, you know, troubles with China and and the Meng detention and all of those kinds of things have farmers seeking, you know, other alternatives. And, and, you know, they put those into things like lentils and and, uh, durum and, and other things this year. But again, they didn't back that far off of canola. And finally, just I think spring wheat, I mean, spring wheat, obviously, that's where some of the additional acres came for Durham, for lentils and for the peas. And I, I think that was just because spring wheat, it wasn't necessarily a weak market, but it just didn't show as much promise on an acreage return basis. And also having to deal with, you know, uh, a lot of uncertainty about quality and you know, what will the discounts be and what will the protein spreads and all that, that maybe pushes farmers into a little bit more of uh, peas and lentils and durum when they see the strong prices that they saw towards the end of the year. Neil Townsend is an analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. In our next segment, he discusses the impact on grain markets from today's StatsCan survey of seeded area this spring. Um. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This segment is brought to you by the Canadian Canola Growers Association, helping farmers succeed for over 35 years. Visit ccga.ca to learn more. And brought to you by Salford Group. Get the best price on new Salford equipment before July 3rd. Call your Salford equipment dealer or visit salfordgroup.com. StatsCan says farmers planted more durum, lentils and barley, but fewer acres of spring wheat, canola and soybeans. FarmLink Marketing Solutions Senior Market Analyst Neil Townsend says the seeding survey is neither positive nor negative for grain prices. I think it's very neutral for grain prices. I think that when expectations are more or less met, when you see, uh, you know, what the trade expected and what Stats Canada comes out to be, you know, very parallel, you don't get much uh, opportunity for marketing in the short run. In the longer run, I also would say that the Canadian acreage ends up being relatively neutral to the market. You know, you could argue that, you know, more red lentil acres increases the chance that we have a, you know, solid production and, and bigger supplies, and that could end up sort of detrimenting red lentil prices as the year progresses. But so far, we've seen sort of strong indications and good marketing conditions for the early part of 2020, 2021. And so, you know, I would encourage farmers probably to, you know, increase red lentil sales to a, you know, a a position where they're comfortable selling um, stuff they haven't harvested yet, right? So if you sold the first five bushels an acre, you might want to think about selling, you know, another couple or three or four bushel more an acre just to take advantage of prices that if we do pull off a good crop and we harvest all 4.2 million acres or the the bulk of them, you know, we could have a little bit heavier supplies. And again, you know, when it comes to the pulses, we're somewhat dependent on what's happening with the Indian market and whether or not they're going to allow, uh, you know, entrance of, of pulses into their market. And I will note that the uh, Indians have also had a very smooth sailing so far in their planting season, and they've planted for this date 
compared to the average, they've planted a lot more pulse acres. That doesn't mean they'll end up with a lot more. It just means that the pulses are in the ground and off to a good start because of a beneficial monsoon. Neil Townsend is a senior market analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. Cement. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on The Source, 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Karen Ustros here with realagriculture.com. We are back here today with another school episode, and I have here with me Jen Walker, who is the research manager with Alberta Pulse Growers. Jen is in one of those uh, high moisture areas, and we are here to talk about some of the diseases that uh, you'll be looking out for in your pulse crops this time of the year, but more specifically, especially in the wet areas, what are some of the diseases you're seeing right now? So a lot of problems, um, similar to all of the crops, is that a lot of the pulse crops don't do really well in some of these high moisture conditions. Um, Peas are going to be one of the ones that show signs of stress um, really early on. They like well-drained soils. Some of the others, like faba beans and soybeans, they can tolerate a little bit higher moisture conditions for a little bit longer. And one of the big challenges is that um, we can't really predict this. And so um, you kind of have to pre-plan for diseases. And they right now they're predominantly root diseases. So what are some of the things producers can do, I guess, to kind of mitigate and get ahead of it? Um, well, the big thing is applying a seed treatment um, at the time of seeding. Um, because we know, particularly with the spring, we were seeding into cool and wet soils. And so to really ensure a healthy seedling, you want to do everything you can to protect it. And so applying a seed treat is really the best way to do that. And one of the troubles that we're seeing with this season in particular is seed treatments only have a two to maybe three week window of protection. And of course, we're way past that and we're still seeing these wet, wet soils. So what are some of the uh, like, what do some of these diseases look like? What are some of the most common ones you will be seeing, especially in your peas? So the um, best thing to do, and similar to other crops, is when you're out scouting your fields, you're going to start to see some areas of yellowing. And um, that's a good indication that the plants are stressed. And so when you're there, you want to go to those areas and look. And because we're talking about root diseases, you're going to need to take a shovel and dig up some of those plants and just look at the overall health of the roots. And fungicide can help. Is there any, um, is there any root diseases that fungicide will not actually uh, work with? So, um, if we've applied a seed treatment, most of those will cover off your fusariums, your rhizoctoniums, your pythiums, your really common diseases. Um, Aphanomyces is the big one. We've heard a lot about Aphanomyces, and I know you and I have talked about it before. Um, and there is some potentially some, uh, some treatments that will help a little bit with that. Nothing that is a, a silver bullet, though. Um, and again, because we're kind of outside of that window, when we have this much wet this late in the season, there's really nothing that can help. And is there any, like, does compaction play into any of these root diseases as well if you're driving through with a sprayer on a wet field? Um, it can. And I think if we, if we just think about that you've already got a stressed root, then anything additional um, just puts that plant under that much more pressure. Um, so, you know, kind of right now is when we're out scouting for weeds and looking to, to, to spray. 
Um, and keeping a clean field where there's not a lot of competition is just as important to keeping those plants healthy. So you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, um, but you know it's you have to just do your do your very best to make good assessments. And if you're, I guess, not going out and you're not scouting, bad. <laughs> um, what are what are some of the implications of these root diseases, like especially phenomyces, on the end yield? So. Um, of course, if you don't have a plant with healthy root system, that's how the plants get all of their nutrition, nutrients, their water, etc. Everything comes through those roots. And so we will take a yield hit um, depending on how long that wet period lasts and how badly the roots are damaged is going to impact whether or not the crop can grow out of it. Um, with pulse crops in particular, if they're underwater so long that the nodules are impacted, so those nodules are what's feeding the plant nitrogen, um, then we're going to see an additional yield hit. Um, some people may want to go in with rescue nitrogen. I, it very rare cases when it would actually pay. So the biggest thing we need to do is actually take note of those areas in the field, go back and soil sample. Um, because if there is a phanomyces there, then it needs, we need to take that into consideration when we're planning our crop rotations and choose pulse crops that are resistant. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton and Watrous, New Holland. Working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin or Devon at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather for today. Mainly cloudy, 60% chance of showers. Risk of a thunderstorm late this afternoon, wind northeast 20, the high today 21. 60% chance of evening showers, risk of a thunderstorm, the low 16. Tomorrow, cloudy, 70% chance of showers and risk of a thunderstorm, wind east 20, the high 20, the low 16. Wednesday, sunny, the high 23, the low 11. Thursday, sunny, the high 26, the low 14. Friday, sunny, the high 29, the low 16. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high 28, the low 14. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 26. Normal high is 25, the normal low is 11 degrees. The sun rose at 4.50 this morning. It sets at 9.14 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Estevan at 24 degrees. The cold spot, Cypress Hills at 12 degrees. On the roundup, Estevan, as I said, the hot spot at 24, Saskatoon 18, Swift Current 16, Weyburn 20, Yorkton is 19. In Regina, with light rain, it's 19, that's 66 Fahrenheit, winds are from the north-northeast at 15. Humidity 83%, the barometer rising 100.7. Cloudy and Moose Jaw 19, winds are from the northeast at 21. Once again, Regina, light rain and 19, that's 66 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Hey. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com and Sask Municipal Hail Insurance. Farmers, get your spot loss hail insurance with SMHI online or connect with an agent. Storms are unpredictable, SMHI isn't. 
Warriors for Wheat is the name of a book celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. Editor Alana Cook farms east of Regina at Edenwold and says the book highlights numerous farm policy issues raised by the wheat growers since the formation in 1970. Oh, it's really difficult to pick a particular highlight. Uh, You know, it is such a uh, jam-packed book full of facts and history and great stories about really significant events in the industry. And it's filled with, you know, all kinds of stories about the impact and influence that the Weakers have had over their 50 years, with, of course, the focus on on the past 25. So, I think people will be surprised when they're reminded of some of those significant events in the past 25 years about all of those key issues that were facing farmers and the impact that the weakers were able to have on those significant policy changes. So it, uh, it's, it was a great experience being an editor of the book, and I think everybody's really going to enjoy reading it. Two areas that I think of uh, from younger times for me is the criticism and the wheat growers took a lot of it too for criticizing the low grain rates the crow rates and the wheat growers were prepared to accept uh, or look at some changes to the rates as well as the criticism and strong criticism of the canadian wheat board what's your thoughts there yeah, you know, the Uyghurs were always a voice sort of, um, you know, pushing for change, looking for better ways, finding really innovative solutions to long-term agriculture issues. The crow rate was, you know, one example where, uh, you know, we were kind of on the outside as far as we thought what those solutions would look like. So we really felt that the crow was standing in the way of seeing diversification of agriculture on the prairies. It stood in the way of us seeing things operating for the right market reasons versus, you know, being adjusted because of poorly thought out government policies. So, you know, thank goodness the crow rate uh, is no longer here and we're now more market driven as far as our the grain we produce and how we how we move it to market. And then of course the wheat board, its monopoly, the impact that had not just on wheat but frankly, on the entire industry, how we operated, what we grew, how we got it to market, you know, the impact that the wheat board monopoly had on trade negotiations, which, of course, I had a lot of experience in. So, you know, the wheat, the wheat always pushed and said we need a change to make things better. And they always came up with really innovative solutions. I think they could be really proud of that. And, of course, with the wheat board monopoly gone, we've seen all kinds of improvements and all kinds of positive change for the wheat industry and more broadly for the agriculture sector in Western Canada. Something that I think everybody needs to always remember that the wheat growers had big impact on. What do you see some of the new issues the wheat growers should uh, will be looking at, challenging? I imagine the book outlines some of that, too. Yes, exactly. I mean, the weakers always viewed those issues that they had impact on, you know, as as really something that really made a difference for the broad industry. But those issues remain really important today, whether it be transportation issues, making sure that we can continue to be relied upon as, uh, you know, a world class exporter. Or if you think about the regulatory issues we face on being able to access modern tools and technology, that threat that we have of, you know, people not understanding agriculture and not having a full recognition of how important modern tools have for agriculture. So that whole public trust side, I think 
the weakerers are going to be a really strong voice on that. They have been and will continue to be on trade. They've always been a voice for, you know, having really, you know, free trade and proactively uh, pushing for, you know, that trade liberalization. That's going to be so important when we've seen the rise of protectionism. So, you know, there's so many issues that are already present and we know there's always going to be issues that impact agriculture. Weak growers are that strong business-minded voice that needs to continue to advocate for farmers. Alana Cook is the editor of the book Warriors for Wheat. It highlights the 50th anniversary of the formation of the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. Hey, you're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by YAC Auctions. The first name you should think of in the auction business, call 782-5999. The latest issue of Canola Watch takes a look at proper fertilizer use for improving canola yields. Jay Wetter has details. Welcome to the Canola Watch radio show. The topic for this episode is nitrogen application options for the spring. My name is Jay Wetter and with me today are John Hurd, Soil Fertility Extension Specialist with Manitoba Agriculture, and Warren Ward, Canola Council of Canada Agronomy Specialist and Fertility Lead. The following discussion will provide six spring options for those farmers who usually apply nitrogen in the fall but couldn't last fall because of the weather. Option one banding nitrogen before seeding. Banding below the surface reduces losses, saves time at seeding, and can help treat ruts left over after harvest. The challenges are that NH3 still needs to go at 4 inches deep to provide safety for the crop applied above it, and that any field work done before seeding can disrupt the seed bed. Option 2. Surface application immediately before or after seeding. This can cover a lot of ground quickly but increases the potential for nitrogen loss. Tillage to incorporate the fertilizer can reduce loss but disturbs the seed bed. Here's John Hurd. One of the things we caution people is that you know a heavy harrow is not a fertilizer incorporation tool and uh, really uh, uh, would not be sufficient to eliminate volatilization risk. In this situation, enhanced efficiency products can be used to protect the nitrogen source. Option 3. Placement in the seed row. This places the fertilizer into the soil and doesn't require an extra pass, but there is a limit on how much fertilizer you can place in the seed row, and that amount is usually insufficient to meet crop needs. Here's Warren Ward. Yeah, just looking at that one through canola-colored glasses, um, it, it is quite sensitive to seed-placed fertilizer. And, you know, even with a product like ESN, it, it will safen that. And, you know, but if we think of how much we're actually applying at three times a safe rate, you know, we're likely not going to get any more than 30 pounds safely applied in the seed row. Option four, side banding or mid-row banding at the time of seeding. This in-soil placement is the way to apply target fertilizer rates at the time of seeding and it reduces the chance of loss. Option five, a separate pass to band nitrogen immediately after seeding. I'd be a little bit concerned about, um, you know, with a wider opener that you could disturb the seed bed or or dry out that soil with this option. But uh, if you can do it, then it, it would be an excellent option to band some fertilizer. 
Option 6, mid-season applications. This is a split application with some fertilizer put on at the time of seeding and the rest of the nitrogen applied as a mid-season top-up. John. Uh, well, I, actually, we're probably more hip on this uh, than we were historically. We, we, we've got more equipment out here now that can do that and some research, some in, in canola and Manitoba, uh, but some recent work in wheat showing that actually uh, we're getting full, if not better, yield potential when we are splitting some of that nitrogen, uh, the a good portion of it on at or close to seeding, and then coming back uh, uh, to the uh, crop in June. John Hurd adds that performance of surface-applied urea ammonium nitrate, or UAN, is much improved through a dribble band versus a sprayer or versus broadcast urea. With the six options outlined, John and Warren were asked for their concluding thoughts. So my, my number one option or plan A uh, would be uh, one pass at seeding, so uh, side band or mid-row band of the majority of your, your fertilizer. Not everybody has that option, or maybe uh, spring logistics could be a challenge, in which case maybe a combination of some side banding with some in-season top dressing could be, could be an option this year. And for anybody who, who uh, has zero banding capability at, at seeding, uh, you know, so maybe like a single shoot opener, um, pre-seed banding in my mind would be the best option in that case. Usually when we're talking about 4R management, sometimes we're talking about the environmental aspect. Here we're just talking about how that 4R framework can, can work very well to, 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 to help in compromise situations. Here our compromise is timing didn't work out for us. But through the combination of, you know, placement options, uh, some of the enhanced efficiency sources that we have now, I, I think we've still got some very good opportunities. That's a wrap on this edition. I'm Jay Wetter. For more agronomy tips from Canola Watch, visit canolawatch.org. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall is Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra's prices for canola gained $2.40 at $430.48. Number one red spring wheat fell 26 cents at 220.80. The rest were unchanged. Durham 266.39. Feed barley 195.70. Flax 515.79. Lentils 714.50. Oats 264.16, yellow peas 257.89, feed wheat 172.88. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange this morning, July spring wheat is down two and a quarter cents at 4.96 and a quarter cent a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Assiniboia and Weyburn Livestock Auctions. Call Assiniboia 642-4180 or Weyburn 842-4574. And brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integritire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integritire dealers. Now the latest quotations. Heartland Livestock Market Report. Donnie Peacock reporting for the Swift Current Yards on location right near the American border. Sorting yearlings this morning in a beautiful rain shower. 
over the weekend down here, they had two tenths to three inches, depending where you were sitting. Uh, the cattle market last week, another big run on Tuesday with 800 head of cows and bulls predominantly. Cow market is steady. Uh, the average 82, there is a lot of feeding and breed back cow uh, orders on the market. Seven different order buyers actively bidding and pursuing the cows. That's kind of refreshing. 82 average. A lot of the good solid kill cows at 84 to 87. The odd superstars is creeping up into the 90s. On the three-year-old young feeder cows, borderline heiferettes, 95 up to a dollar 20. Some of the breed bad action is part of that. The two-year-old heiferettes, uh, very very strong, a buck 20 to a dollar 36. Into the bull trade, slaughter bulls top at 136. Uh, the average a dollar 22 we're seeing some very very good bulls probably flunk their semen test we're also seeing some bulls uh showing the wear and tear of some injuries and bulls boys will be boys uh upcoming sales every tuesday throughout the summer and kind of refreshing to have an active cow market that's the way it is in cattle country heartland swift current now the latest saskatchewan pork prices am sold 4500 hogs friday Selling a range of 109 to 149 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 8,500 head. Selling a range of 110 to 150 per CKG. 100 index hog prices for the week ending Saturday, June 27th are Oli West 111.20, Maple Leaf 122.63, Hams Cash 120.63, Thunder Creek Brick Hole 127.61, High Life 121.64. And High Life adjusted $148.52 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report. SAS Power is again offering an opportunity for customers who want to generate power and sell it back to the company. The Power Generation Partner Program will accept applications for the third and final year of the program from October 22nd to October 30th of this year. At the completion of the program, SAS Power says there will be up to 105 megawatts of customer-generated power added to the grid. This supports SAS Power's goal of reducing carbon emissions to at least 40% below 2005 levels by 2030 and provide an opportunity for oil and gas customers to reduce their emissions. The program has an annual cap of 10 megawatts per year for renewable technologies and 25 megawatts per year for carbon-neutral non-renewable technologies. Eligible renewable technologies include solar, biomass, biogas, hydro and geothermal, ranging from 100 kilowatts to 1 megawatts. Eligible carbon-neutral technologies include flare gas and waste heat recovery, with projects ranging from 100 kilowatts to 5 megawatts. This is the third and final year of the program. Canada's main stock index posted a triple-digit advance in late morning trading, boosted by a broad rally on the Toronto Stock Exchange, while U.S. stocks also climbed higher. The TSX Composite Index was up 182 points at 15,371. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 385 points at 25,401. The Canadian dollar traded for 72.97 cents U.S. compared with 73.12 cents on Friday. The August crude oil contract was up 52 cents at $39.01 per barrel. That's the Resource Report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. 
That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. And You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.